Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. Understanding and answering the challenge of child sacrifice in Uganda. And what I've decided to do, my brothers and sisters, is to take one region of this country and have done a kind of a case study. And so I'm not going to be covering the whole of Uganda. I'm particularly going to be looking at Uganda. And I hope that if we seriously understand sacrifice among the Uganda, maybe you can draw lessons for your own regions. There are three areas of focus as I share with you on this topic. One is that actually human sacrifice has been in Uganda for a very long time. Two is that child sacrifice should be understood against the background of human sacrifice. I have argued in my presentation that there is nothing very unique about sacrificing a child. All they need is human blood and human body parts. And so I have argued that children, to me, are just an easy and vulnerable victim. But the interest is really in human blood and also in human body parts. The third point that I will be making is the argument that contrary to what people think that the motivation is to make wealth, actually my research has convinced me that while I agree that people in Uganda will do anything for money, the underlying factor is actually our beliefs. The belief that when you sacrifice a human being or when you offer body parts, they actually work. And then I will conclude with some suggestions for the way forward. So that is the, the roadmap for my presentation. And as I've mentioned, I'm going to take a case study of Uganda. But let me mention that while I will focus on Uganda, we as Africans, as has been acknowledged by most African writers on African traditional religion, people like Nditi, there is an acknowledgement that we are very, very religious people. All spheres of our lives are a religious phenomenon. Greeting, eating, even the journeys we make. When I was young, I remember my father would always, whenever I had a journey, he would ask me to move forward in the, in the junction. And then he would ask me to come back so that I become the first person he meets on the way. And then when I asked about that, 
I was told that when you meet a man first, then your journey is a blessed journey. So the whole of our religious life, the whole of our lives, the life that we lead as Africans is a religious phenomenon. Hunting, fishing, and all other activities we are engaged in. Planting seed, even tilling the land, are all done under the sphere of religion. And so this is not an exaggeration. When Mbiti and others like Parinda say we are really very religious as Africans. And for the case of the Baganda, it is, it is even more emphatic. Most of the rituals and the religious life of the Baganda that I have observed at the, hand, at the center of every religious ceremony, there is this sacrifice, this phenomenon of sacrifice. It may not be a human being, but there will be some offering of some kind, be it of a god or of the harvest from the field. And it is very interesting the language that is traditionally used in Uganda of the place where sacrifice is made. The word for sacrifice in Uganda is called Kitambiro, and the sacrificial place is called Tambiro. And this verb is drawn from words that are, mean, carry the same meaning as to protect, to heal, and to cure. And so when they are involved in sacrifice, they have all these three meanings, to protect, to heal, and to cure. There have been arguments that human sacrifice is something that is foreign to Uganda. And that's not true. Writings by people like John Roscoe and even as recent, in recent writings of the Catholic theologians like Xavier Kewaranga, they have, have found out that there were 13 places in Uganda where they used to sacrifice human beings. There was Seguku on the Seguku Hill in Busiro. There was Kitinda on the island of Damba. There was Benga in Bunyoro. Then there was a sacrificial place in Namgongo. Don't think that the Uganda martyrs were the first to be sacrificed there. It was a traditional sacrificial place for human beings. And the particular method of sacrifice at Namgongo was by burning. And that's why the Uganda martyrs were burnt. If they were taken to other places on the lakes, on the shores of Lake Victoria where people would just be thrown to the crocodiles. Maybe the Uganda martyrs would have been thrown to the crocodiles to be eaten. There was Mutukuru in Singo. There is Kubamitwe. And this is the place where the unfaithful wives of the kings were executed and sacrificed. 
There was another place called Ekuru on Cheba and Ohiru in Busiro and there were other places like Narugade Kasangarabi I'm sorry I can't pronounce these names properly there was Kafumita in Chagwe Wakitende and Mpima in Busega there is a place called Mpima in Busega 13 places in all and the argument that in Uganda human sacrifice is a foreign thing is not really true there were two main ways of supplying victims to these sacrificial places and the people who were sacrificed were both women and women and sometimes their legs would be broken before they were killed or sacrificed and most of the sacrificial victims were gathered from prisons if the gods demanded sacrifice they would go to the prisons first and foremost collect those men and women who were in prison if the number required by the god by the particular date was not sufficient then they would round up some more people to bring that number to completion you are all aware that among the baganda there are a number of deities objects of worship there is the god katonda yes but there are a number of other deities the mukasas the chibukas those belong to the category of varuvares then there are ancestral spirits the mizimu then there were misambwa the tutelary deities and, and then the mayembe the fetishes and the silver those things that people put around them and all these depending on the nature of the problem received sacrifices i want to mention particularly cases where human sacrifice was dominant human sacrifice was very dominant when it came to sacrifices that were offered to the national war god rubare the national war god was called rada chibuka was called rubare chibuka and most sacrifices that were offered to chibuka were sacrifices of human beings the other type of sacrifice where they offered human beings were those sacrifices that were offered to the dead kings among the baganda they used to make sacrifices to the dead king to keep sometimes the spirit of the dead king favorable to those who are living but also it was assumed that people who were sacrificed to the dead king would go and help the dead king's soul or muzim as they used to call it in the life after he has died but it was also the case when the kabaka visited and it wasn't very regular 
if the Kavaka visited the place where the kings were buried, we met, when we were coming, we met the Kavak in Wandegea. We were wondering whether he was going to, to Kasuvi tombs. But I was told that it is very rare for the Kavaka to visit that place. And when he visits, he doesn't come from Mengo. But we were suspicious because he was coming from Wandegea. It is believed the Kavaka only visited the tombs from Mengo when he is no longer alive. That's when he takes that route. Otherwise, the other routes that when he visits the, the burial place in, in Kasubi, he has to come from his home in Banda from a different direction. But in those days when the Kabaka visited that place, whenever he would be returning to his home, he would decree that all people on certain routes that he would mention be rounded up and be offered as sacrifice to the dead king. And whoever was rounded up would be offered as sacrifice to the dead king. There was also the sacrifice that was given when there was threatening calamity. Maybe there was war that was imminent. There was pestilence that was imminent. This sacrifice was called Chonzira. And also this sacrifice included the sacrifice of human beings. You realize I'm jumping a lot of material because I'm just speaking to my paper, I'm not reading. You can read it later. I think I'm supposed to finish within about the next 15 minutes. I want now to come to the current trends of human sacrifice. We know that the recent past has seen an escalation in ritual sacrifice, particularly in the Buganda area. One of our students did research it's called Stanley Kangula. And his argument was that this escalation was because of the religious, the traditional institutions that have been reinstated by the government and also the, the registration of diviners and healers, some of whom are involved in witchcraft. One of the things that is clear is that many of these ritual murders are done in great secrecy. But there are a number that have been brought to light, particularly in the Bukhead newspaper. The Bukhead newspaper, and in my paper here you will find a number of, of cases where human beings, particularly children, have been sacrificed. I think most recently is the new vision and most newspaper of such as January 2010. If you find that paper, I came with the copies of it here. I would like you to read it. In this paper, the new vision and the monitor newspaper are making quotations from a police report, I think the latest that we have in the hands of the police. And according to the records they have here, there has been an increase in human sacrifice. They have figures for 2007. They say the figure for, of ritual murders, human sacrifice, 
In 2007, we had three recorded cases. In 2008, we had 25. And in 2009, we had 29 cases of human sacrifice. It is also very interesting to note where most of these cases happen. According to this report, most of the cases took place in Kampala district, which was identified as the most dangerous. It is followed by Wakiso, followed by Mitiana, followed by Kayunga, Masaka, Mukono, and there are cases that have been reported in Kabare, Kamuli, Soroti, in Tungamo, Bushenyi, in Pader, in Kariro, in Kiboga. But if you look at Nakasongola and Apach and even the other places where these sacrifices have taken place, if you look at this map, they have, they have a map for us on this newspaper that shows the districts where sacrifice has been taking place. And for me, what I found interesting is that human sacrifice is very, very dominant in the central corridor of Uganda. In the central corridor of Uganda. And of course, most of the cases are in Uganda. But I would encourage you to read that article. I've been trying to get actually the police report. I hope that one of these days I'll have a copy of that police report. I also had opportunity to interview one lady who, ha who was involved not necessarily in human sacrifice, but in ritual sacrifice that involved animals. And this is what she had to say. I will call her Justin for the sake of this argument. She says the current high incidence of sacrifice in Uganda is by people seeking to amass as much wealth as possible and quickly. Once they get the wealth, they will offer more and more sacrifices to maintain the wealth or their business enterprises. But I want you to listen to this. This is where, where I really want you to take note. Most of the human sacrifices are for wealth creation and maintenance with the belief that for this to happen, the highest valued sacrifice is that of human life. That was the case even with the traditional sacrifice of human beings. It was believed that the most valued sacrifice, if you want to offer something that is very, very precious, you offer the life of a human being or the body parts of a human being. And according to Justin, those who engage in sacrifice, even those who take goats, they know that if the goat the sacrifice of a goat fails, then ultimately, the ultimate sacrifice is that of a human being. That, that is their understanding. 
that human blood and body parts are the most precious. And those who can get them then can be assured of results when they have offered those sacrifices. I want us to look at the world view as I came to understand it in the Chiganda way. There is the belief among the Baganda that there are two dimensions to the world. There is what we see, the visible world, and there is the invisible world. The visible world is the world of human beings, of you and me. The animals, the trees, the gardens we see, the crops, and the earth that we see. Everything that can be touched, felt, and seen. But there is the invisible world. The visible world is the world of the spirits, the Baruvare, the Mukasas, the Chibukas, and all other spirits, the ancestors, the world of the ancestors. And this was very, very, very strange to me. Even in our Christian circles, there, was this aware, there is this awareness among the Bagandas I interacted with them of the ancestral spirits. I particularly remember one canon who was our, our senior who was having a meal and when food dropped, he said, hey, hey, that the food had dropped down for the ancestors. You don't even pick it. He was a reverend, he was a canon, but he was a Muganda. And is conscious of the, of the ancestors. That the ancestors are there with us all the time and everywhere we go. They are keeping, they have a watchful eye on us. And though he was a Christian and a reverend and a canon to that, he was not shy to say that food has dropped to our ancestors. That is the spirit world. And the understanding is, whereas the spirit world has access to us, it can access us anytime and anywhere. As human beings, we have no ability to get to the spirit world. The, spirit of the, the world of the, of the spirit of the ancestors. But there is only a way in which you can connect, through which you can connect to the, to the spirit world. And that is the way of sacrifice. The way of sacrifice is the link between the physical world of human beings and the animals and the spirit world of the gods and the spirits and the mayende. The way you relate is the way of sacrifice. So if you want a child from Mukasa, and you know there is the god of fertility, in Uganda, procreation is not just a fertile man meeting with a fertile woman. No, it is a spiritual thing. There is the god of fertility who is responsible. And so if you want twins or you want children, you go and make a sacrifice to the god of fertility. If you want to be victorious in war, then you sacrifice 
to the God of war, who is Chibuka, and so on. So the way to make communication, the way to relate with the spirit world is the way of sacrifice. That's what brings communion between the spirit world and the world of the living. Secondly, sacrifices were often given to the deities as gifts. If you just want to give a gift to a god, if you have had a good harvest, or if you are blessed, you have been blessed with the trees, then you go and give a gift to the god of fertility. But also if there is calamity in the family, if you want to avert danger, I was uh, joking with colleagues when we met at the petrol station when we were taking fuel, the, the ladies, they were selling us the photograph, the, the newspapers, they wanted us to buy newspapers. And I suspect they were Uganda, because what they were emphasizing, why we should buy the papers, Moses, what was the reason? I was with the Reverend Canon Moses' service. Because they, they, are, they were morning. They were morning. You must buy this newspaper. It is talking about the burning of the tombs. It is very, very important. And then I, 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 I joked with them and I said, maybe someone has angered the ancestors. And then they laughed and we got our fuel and came. And whereas you may be taking it lightly that the tombs are burnt, for the Baganda it is such a serious thing. You may, you may not realize how serious it is. You need to interact with one of them. One of them who is very traditional, not the one who is liberated like my brother John Senior. <laughs> he may not give you a true picture, but for them it is a day of mourning. It is a day of mourning. The other gifts that were, the other sacrifices that were made, were sacrifices for general well-being. People who wanted to have good health and feel good, and so on. But I want you to remember one thing that of all these sacrifices, it is the human blood and body parts that are considered as supreme. The highest of all sacrifices is that of human blood and of body parts. I want to suggest a few reasons why I think that this human sacrifice, child sacrifice, is still continuing in our country. I want to disagree with the commonest reason that links child sacrifice with poverty. I've already said that. The argument that most people engage in ritual murder to get rich quickly. And I've said that while I agree that Ugandans will do anything to get money, I don't think that it is the crucial issue. After all, most people who engage in this are actually very rich people. 
guys like Godfrey Kajubi, he's not a poor man. And if you look at this corridor, where sacrifice is taking place, it is not in the poor areas. Why isn't, why isn't there sacrifice in Karamoja, for example? It is not in the poor areas. It is in the most affluent areas. Affluent areas of Kampala, Wakiso, Mukono, Masaka, and other areas. Not in, in Karamoja, not in Soroti. All these other districts behind Soroti. That's where most of our, our rural poor live. It is not in, in Bundibujo. That's not where it is. If you look at the corridor where sacrifice is taking place, it is mainly in, among people who are wealthy. And so my argument, my brothers and sisters, is that this has something to do with our beliefs. I believe that our religious beliefs are at the heart, at the center of this practice. So, poverty aside, I really believe that the belief in the potency of human sacrifice is the one that is fueling this practice. I was reading material written by one called Gans Muhanguzi. And this is what he says, I will quote. He says, what we believe dictates what we do. People's faith, value systems, and religious dogma dictate their actions. And so a tycoon will sacrifice a child, not because he is poor, but because they believe in the potency of the act. They believe that it works. They believe that it works. This is what he says again. He says, it is wrong to excuse the offender's criminal beliefs and instead blame it on his material status. It's even sad, and I think maybe they are right, the police. According to the police, this is, a, this is criminal, this is a crime. And they treat it as a crime. The sad reality for us as pastors is that most people who come to us on Sundays are the same people who go to these shrines where they do sacrifice. It doesn't matter how educated and how well-placed you are, provided the belief is there, you will go and do it. That's why at one time one political leader in this government a professional medical doctor also was seen in the, in the shrine bedding. I saw this the picture. He was bedding. A very senior politician in our country. <laughs> he was bending. He forgot his profession. He forgot his, Christian, his Christianity. He forgot his status in the society and went and begged. The other time, 
Our brother Stephen Kazimba is now bishop of Michana was telling us of a story in Mkono where one of the professors from this university went to the one of the diviners and the diviner asked him to bring a chicken. And he went and brought a chicken. And the diviner was saying, can you tell your problems to the chicken? The professor opened the mouth of the chicken and started telling his problems. Because he believes it works. Very ridiculous. You bring a chicken and you tell it your problems. But he believes it does what? It works. I also want to agree with my brother Kakangula when he suggests that the establishment of cultural institutions has in a way contributed to the resurgence of ritual sacrifice. I remember one time when there were those from Vunyoro, when the current king of Vunyoro was being reinstated, I don't know whether it was reinstatement or what, they were not even ashamed. They were holding up a white chicken if some of you remember, shamelessly, as part of the ritual they were going to offer that chicken because the, the king is being reinstated as king and was spread all over the newspapers without shame. And so I think there is a sense in which, and I've been looking at the rituals involved in, in, in installing these kings, most of them actually involve sacrifice. I remember when there was the, the cleansing of the Ruviri. Our bishops in the Church of Uganda said we are not coming to the function. Why? Because they, were, they had planned part of the ritual was to offer sacrifice. And they said we are not coming to the function. And the people in Mengo were very clever. They organized the function in such a way that by the time the bishops come the, <laughs> the other function was over. Because they believe you have, it is something in their minds. So the resurgence is somehow related to the reestablishment of these cultural institutions. But also the legislation that allows traditional healers. Because now we have all sorts of healers, and some of them are involved in, in witchcraft. Also, our laws that govern witchcraft, the Uganda Witchcraft Law of 1957 is so weak, even very difficult to implement. And when people are arrested, they apply that law, and sometimes they will hold them in prison if there is fear that the life of the person is threatened, but eventually those guys will be released, unless the government enacts new laws. But we also need to accept that our society is largely ignorant. Even the use of the biodisc and all these other therapies, I think, arise from ignorance. We still have a, an ignorant community, by the way. Most of the people in our rural areas are largely ignorant, and they will do anything that will help them survive. What do I suggest as something that can be done? And I will say this and then I will, I, will, I will keep quiet. I suggest four things, but these are not exhaustive. You are, I know that there are people here who have many other ideas, 
that can help curb this practice. The first thing I'm suggesting is that the church and religious leaders need to realize that the issue of child sacrifice is an issue that emanates from people's beliefs. It is the belief that it works. People strongly believe that human blood and body parts work in ritual sacrifice to deliver results. I have had conversations with my colleagues in Mukono, and I know I'm glad Canon Titus is here, Reverend Canon Titus. One time the, there were shrines in the church land at Sezibwe, and I think Titus you must have been there on that day, when they went and burned the, burned the shrines and destroyed them. But I was discussing with my, some of my friends, I said, you know you have destroyed those, but they are shrines in people's hearts. <laughs> The shrines are in the beliefs. They may no longer be on church land, but they are on some other person's land. We need, as believers, to do something about people's beliefs. And this brings me to my second point. I feel that the church has also failed to explain to the people the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ on the cross. In the Anglican Church, we even try to avoid the language of sacrifice in our liturgy. The Catholics are doing much better. And the missionaries designed our liturgy, which we still use, in a way that guards against the language of sacrifice. How can we integrate the language of sacrifice in our liturgies, in our worship, in our Christian discipleship, explaining to people the all-sufficiency sacrifice of Jesus Christ in a, Christian, in a believer's life. Who is taking care of the beliefs in ancestors in Uganda? Oh, you are all saying that is pagan. I told you even my canon could believe they were ancestors. Are we all rounding up that as pagan? And you think the Baganda will believe you when you say all the ancestors are pagan things? They will come and take your whole communion, they will praise you, they will come and praise Raza, and listen to your sermon, they will go back and have communication with their ancestors. What the church in Kenya has done, and maybe we can do a similar thing, one of the one of the of the articles that I've published has something to do with the sacrifice of Christ and Ganda ancestors. The church in Kenya has included in their liturgy of worship of Holy Communion the faithful ancestors. And so they say all the angels and archangels and faithful ancestors. And the experimental liturgies that have been even done within our Anglican church, which have not been implemented. There is no way you are going to cut off a true Muganda from a belief in ancestors. And I think we need to think, to rethink our outreaches, our preaching, and our teachings. Thirdly, I want to suggest that the church working with the state, we need to put up a sustained campaign against the vice. 
the type that we put up when it came to HIV-AIDS. I know that sometime back about a year ago, the churches got together, I don't know if it was on Good Friday, and there was a demonstration in town, but has died out. We need to put up a sustained campaign. I also suggest that we need to encourage our state to make laws against the vice. Laws that can be implemented, laws that are specific for human sacrifice. The laws that we have are general laws against witchcraft. Are general laws against witchcraft. And lastly, which comes to the issue that my brother Senyoni mentioned, the issue of discipleship. How are we teaching our Christians? Do they feel comfortable to come to you as a pastor? All he knows when it comes to this issue, the pastor can baptize my child. But when I need a house, and I need it very quickly, this poor pastor who is walking <laughs> is not very helpful. I need to go somewhere. When it comes to winning elections, and I think this was the problem of this politician. It was campaign time, it was election time, the reverend fathers and the bishops couldn't do anything, said with these campaigns I needed to go to the, to the shrine. How is our discipleship? I pray that God will help us to take seriously the issue of child sacrifice, but also know that we can do something about it. And, and, and also, may God help us in our own situations, in our own regions, to have a proper understanding of why people do it, so that we don't keep running with this reason, poverty, 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 poverty. It is something to do with people's beliefs. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.